0: All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, greetings. i so glad all of you are here. Greetings to our 15th Street Campus and our West Campus and our Traditions Venue. We are one church that meets in different locations, which enables more people to be impacted by God's love and his power. And that really is, isn't that why we're here? We want God, right? We, we want him to speak to us and to move in our lives. And that's what he wants as well. So we are in a summer teaching series where we're talking about this question of what it looks like to journey with God in the midst of painful or difficult emotions. I mean, all of us have times in our lives when we experience anxiety, we experience despair or failure or loneliness, and often the unwritten rule, especially in religious circles, is to stuff those emotions. Don't let any, anyone know kind of what's going on, especially not God, right? Um, just keep smiling, just keep pretending, you know. And that's what we do. We pretend, we fake it, and God's heart breaks. His heart breaks. God is not interested in us living with this disconnect between our spiritual life and then our everyday life. He wants to be a part of our struggles and our negative emotions and our doubts and our fears and our discouragement. How do we know this to be the case? Well, we know this to be the case because of this entire section of the Bible, this huge section of the Bible, known as the Psalms. Right in the middle of the Old Testament there in the Psalms In the Psalms we see this window Into the heart of ordinary people Who are experiencing The painful stuff of life They're just going through it And they are choosing to be present To God in all of that, to welcome God into these places of pain. And so each week during the summer, we're looking at a different psalm in which the writer is experiencing some painful emotion. Well, today, we're going to be talking about what do we do when we feel like God is absent, when we feel like our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, when we're, when we're trying to walk with God, and yet we feel like he's not really showing up for us. You know, maybe it's this long-standing problem or difficulty that never seems to get better or a a situation or a relationship never seems to get better no matter how hard you pray. In fact, sometimes it feels like the more you pray, the worse it gets. What do we do when we feel like God has sort of vanished from the scene, right? When we don't sense his presence or his activity, this is a question that all of us wrestle with. If you haven't yet, you will. It will happen. All of us wrestle with it certain times in our lives. But often, especially in church circles, often we're afraid to admit that we're actually feeling this because it feels, it feels like a lack of faith to wrestle with this. But, but I would assert that this question actually reflects a more deeply rooted faith. To wrestle with this reflects a more deeply rooted faith. Jesus once said to his disciples, You believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. In other words, a healthy faith is a faith that is able to endure seasons in which we acutely sense God's absence. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to Psalm 13. <laughs> In Psalm 13, we see this kind of faith on display, and it provides a helpful guide for us on our journey when we feel like God is absent. So what I would like us to do, I want us to read this psalm out loud together. It's only six verses long, um, but they're incredibly powerful. So read, let's, let's read this out loud. Read with me Psalm 13. Here we go. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. This is God's word. Now, this psalm naturally divides into three sections, each two verses long, and each one reveals an important aspect of how David responded... In this place in his life when he when he felt God's absence. And so what I want to do, what I want to do, I want to talk about each section, and then after we talk about that section, I want us to spend just a few moments kind of experiencing that and responding to engaging in that particular response. And then we'll move on to section two. Do the same thing at the end of that and the end of section three. So we, we don't want to just, as we've said all along, we don't want to just learn about these psalms. We want to pray these psalms. We want to live in this place. We want to experience this. So in the first section, we learn that it is very important to voice your complaint to God. When you feel like God is absent, to voice your complaint to God. We see this over and over again in the Psalms, this brutal honesty with God, this willingness to acknowledge to God exactly how we feel. Now, in this particular psalm, David does this in, a, in an interesting way. He asks God questions, several questions. He is not afraid to ask God questions. And each question, you're gonna, we're going to see, we've already read it, each question has this, uh, this raw, just heartfelt ache behind it. Verse 1, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? David feels forgotten by God. He feels forgotten by God, and that's a big deal. I remember when I was in seminary... I would get up early to go to this um, small group Bible study that one of the professors there, who's well-known, many of you, if I said his name, you would know his name, well-known author, and, and he was just a highly respected, is a highly respected person. So I would go along with like 12 other guys, 12 other people, girls and gals, and, and we would, or guys and, and gals, we would go for this Bible study with him, which is a, it was an honor, right? Every time we'd start, he would go around and he would name all of us, right? He would call all of us by name, but he would always forget my name always. He would forget my name. And, um, and initially I just kind of laughed it off, but over time it just kind of began to hurt after a few weeks, it began to hurt. And so one morning I I came prepared. I, I had my name written in bold letters on a piece of paper, just sitting on my lap. And when he got to me, I was just going to hold it up like that. Um, but he actually remembered my name that day. So I didn't have to use it. Um, but, but really to be forgotten, To be forgotten by someone we value, someone we look up to, to be forgotten is painful. It's incredibly painful. And David is feeling like God has forgotten him. God's busy doing more important things, so my situation doesn't really matter. That's how David feels. But that's not all he feels. Look at what he says next. How long will you hide your face from me? Now, this is an even more intense emotion. I mean, to be forgotten is one thing, get busy and just kind of forget. But to have God hide his face from David, that is a, that's another thing. I mean, that's an intentional action by God to turn away from David, to turn away from his his situation, to not even look upon him. I'm hiding my face. I mean, can you feel the anguish of heart that's being described here? David loves God with all of his being, and yet he feels abandoned. He feels forgotten. He feels like God has intentionally turned his face away from him and rejected him. But there's more. Next verse. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? This, this, what this phrase literally says is, how long must I take counsel in my soul? That's literally what it says. In other words, David is trying to figure this out in his head, right? He's trying to figure out why is God absent? What have I done? What do I need to do to fix this? Why is God not doing anything? What have I done wrong? What is going on here? That is exhausting and it's fruitless, right? And yet we've all done it. As we lay in bed at night, we just try to figure out, God, what, where are you? And so we're trying to figure out in our mind, what's going on? It's exhausting. And then David says, after, he says, and day after day I have sorrow in my heart. David is grieving. He's grieving. So what is is he grieving? He's grieving the loss of God's nearness. He had experienced God being so close to him in the past. He had seen immediate and dramatic answers to prayer. He had this amazing personal relationship with God where God would speak to him and they would write songs together. I mean, it was amazing. But now all of that has dried up. It's dried up. He doesn't feel God's presence. He doesn't see God's activity. He feels forgotten. He feels abandoned. He feels alone. And in this place, his mind is relentlessly trying to find answers, right? Trying to put this puzzle together, but it's just not working. Have you ever been there? Or maybe right now you're here. Where you feel these things. When a loved one dies in a tragic accident, Or when your marriage continues to be lifeless. When you pray and pray for healing for a child, for your child, and nothing seems to happen. I mean, how many times have Raylene and I, my wife Raylene and I, asked God this question of our son, you know, Joshua, who struggles with significant developmental delays. I mean, so many of you, so many of you here have situations like this. So what are we to do in this place? See, we actually have two options. We have two options. One option is just turn away from God. right? And, 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 and if God's not coming through for me, why, I'm just, why even believe in him? I'm just going to give up on him. I can't imagine God would allow something like this to happen, so I'm out of here. I mean, that, that's one option, is just to turn away from God. And sometimes we, we think it's the only option, but it's actually not. David shows us another option here. Turn to God And voice your complaint Don't hold anything back Beat on his chest Tell him how you feel Forgotten and abandoned God is not, trust me He's not going to freak out about your questions I mean this is in the Bible David is saying this stuff so don't think God's going to freak out or it's unspiritual to do this. No, 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 David did it. It's not unspiritual. God's not going to freak out about your questions. He's not going to punish you for your feelings. He's not going to get angry for your tone of voice. No, he wants your hearts, right? He wants you, the real you, not the pretending you. He wants the you that feels angry at him and that feels abandoned by him. <clears throat> he wants that part of you. So when you feel his absence, rather than turning away from him, turn to him, turn to him. His arms and his heart are wide open to you always. So I want us to take a moment, as I said before, we're going to take a moment and just kind of experience this psalm together as we're walking through it. So let's just take a moment and practice this. I want you just to close your eyes for a moment we're just going to quiet our heart. We're looking to God in prayer and let me just ask are there any areas of pain in your life right now where you have been turning away from God? And what would it look like even in these few moments here to turn to him, to voice your complaint to him in the quiet of your heart? So let's just do that in the quiet of our just a few moments here. Turn to God. Voice your complaint to him, what you're feeling, what you're experiencing. Okay, so that's the first response of the psalmist. How long I feel forgotten. Voice your complaint to him. I know that was probably too short, and that's totally cool. You can do this anytime, but we're just kind of walking through this to get a a feel for it. So in verse 3... We enter into the second section, verse 3 There's a subtle shift, but it's a very important shift In David's response So after expressing to God his feelings of abandonment David then shows us another response A second response Ask God to help you Ask God to help you. After voicing his very real, this very raw and painful feelings, David then asks God for his help. Now, we know, we know this isn't the first time that David David has prayed about this. I mean, David has been asking God for help for a really long time. That's why he asked this question How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? I feel forgotten. It's because he's been asking for a long time. It's not that David, just now, as he's writing this psalm, just now, he has. Has this thought oh I should have been praying About this that, that, that's, You know for the last 10 years or whatever No David has been praying It's the lack of Response from God that has caused his feelings of abandonment. So, so the question is, what's different about praying now? I mean, maybe there is some secret prayer sauce in this next verse that David has discovered that now is going to radically change his experience of prayer, his experience of God. So let's just see here, verse 3, looking for the secret sauce here. Um, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Uh, do you see anything special, anything profound there? No. <laughs> he just prays like he has been. He just keeps turning to God. See, th- there is a simplicity here. There is a perseverance here. There is a tenacity here that is not flashy and it's not glamorous and it's not looking for the this or the, the latest, this or that, it, but it's very, very powerful. It reveals that David's faith is not dependent upon his circumstances or his feelings. See, it reminds me of that that moment. This this reminds me, this whole episode here, it reminds me of that moment in Jesus' ministry where where, um, because of his challenging teaching, people started to leave. They were hearing his teaching and they started to leave. And so Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, are you leaving too? And you remember what Peter said. Peter, Peter said, where else would we go? You, you have the words of life. Where else would we go? I love that. I mean, I love that. Where else would we go? Yeah, God feels absent right now. And yes, we are angry at him for allowing our loved one to die. Yes, our prayers feel like they are bouncing off the ceiling. Yes, to all that. But where else would we go? Where else would we go? I was just reading this um, book called A Grace Disguised, um, um, which is written by a, a Christian man who's, you can imagine this his wife his mother and his daughter his young daughter were all killed in a car accident a tragic car accident and um and in the midst of overwhelming grief he began to explore atheism again a christian but he began to explore atheism because i mean why why believe in a god that would allow this kind of thing to happen So as he explored atheism, he soon realized that atheism offers no context to validate feelings of sorrow. So without God in the picture, everything is relative. Everything's relative. In fact, this is the way he he, he wrote a quote here. I discovered that sorrow itself needs the existence of God To validate it as a healthy and legitimate emotion. If there is no God, human emotion collapses into a terrible relativism, and it makes no difference how we respond to loss. So, interestingly enough, this trail to atheism actually led him right back to God. And again, this idea where else would I turn? Where else would I turn? Even when I don't understand why things are happening, why God allows things, even then, where else would I turn? And that's where David is here. So David, in Psalm 13, verse 3, he says to God, look on me. Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Notice the request, look on me. It's in direct contrast to what he has been feeling God is hidden God has forgotten him God has turned his face away But now David is saying look on me This is what I need This is what I long for And notice too the personal address Lord my God Yes you are Lord of creation You are powerful and all that But you are also my God You you are for me We are in relationship He is saying even when I don't feel it We're in relationship. David then says, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. This idea of giving light to my eyes, it's a phrase that's used in a few other places in the Bible and it refers to the receiving or the reviving of physical strength and moral energy. That's what David is praying for here. He's praying for strength for help from God in the midst of his situation with these enemies. He needs, he needs practical help. Now, there is such a mystery to prayer here in, in terms of why God sometimes answers immediately when we pray, and other times there seems to be no answer. And I mean, if, if we view prayer as a vending machine interaction then any unanswered prayer will result in us concluding that something is wrong, right? If a vending machine doesn't work after we put the money in, if, 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 if our item doesn't come out, we conclude, well, we didn't put in enough money or the machine is broken. So if, if, if a prayer, using that same analogy, if a prayer goes unanswered in this kind of vending machine paradigm, if a prayer goes unanswered, I must not have prayed with enough faith or enough fervency, or maybe God doesn't really care about me. The machine's broken. God doesn't really care. See, otherwise God would have given me what I ask for. But do you see the problem with that whole paradigm? To, to reduce prayer to that kind of vending machine interaction makes it little more than a business transaction, when it's not. That is not the heart of prayer. Prayer is not a business transaction. It is a relationship It's a relationship, which is why when our prayers don't get answered the way we want, we can still lean into this relationship. We can keep coming to God and keep asking for his help. That's what David is doing here. It is his instinctive response to pray because of the relationship that he has with God. A five-year delay or a 15-year delay doesn't change the fact that the Lord is David's God. And because of that, David will keep coming to him in prayer. We don't know the circumstance of this song; It's not told to us, but it could very well be the length of time between when David was anointed king by Samuel, and when he actually became king 15 years later, and in that 15-year time, he was running for his life because Saul was chasing after him, trying to kill him. So it could very well have been in a 15-year gap where David is saying, how long? How long? But for David, a five-year delay, 15-year delay, it, it didn't change the fact that the Lord was David's God, and he's going to keep coming to him in prayer. So some of you are living this reality. You have been praying for years for a wayward child or you've been praying for a distant spouse or you've been praying for physical healing or for some emotional healing. And I just want to encourage you and let this psalm encourage you. Don't give up. Keep on praying to the Lord your God. Keep on asking because this isn't a business transaction. It's a relationship. It's a relationship that you have with him. So let's take a moment here. Again, just close your eyes. And in response to the second section, what I want us to do is to lift our hearts in prayer, especially in these areas where we feel like God has abandoned us. Maybe we've even stopped praying about something because we just feel like our prayers have bounced off the ceiling. Let's just take a moment in the quiet of our heart and pray specifically about that. Oh Lord, answer me, Lord, my God. Okay, so we're walking through this psalm. We've voiced our complaint. And it's okay to do that. It. It's important to do that. We, we have asked for help. We have asked God for help. Well, there's one more section to this psalm. Um, and and, it, and it, um, it it gives us insight as well into this response that we can have when we feel that God is absent. In addition to these two other things, there's a third response. And that is choose to praise. Choose to praise. That's what happens at the end of this psalm. David makes an intentional decision to praise God. Look with me at the final section of the psalm again, verse 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love, My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. See, David is praising God here, but notice the answer has not come that the praise that's happening here is not in response to God answering some prayer, you know, that David has been asking and rescuing him from difficulty. No, no, this is not a thank you for coming through for me praise time. That's not what's happening here. This is a decision to praise God when David is still feeling God's absence. See, this is a choice David makes. Even in the midst of this place where I acutely feel that God has abandoned me, I choose, I will choose to praise him. So what exactly does David praise God for? All the things he's currently not seeing, right? First, he praises God for his unfailing love. Even though what he was feeling was abandonment, he's praising him for his unfailing love. The word translated here, "unfailing love," is the—it's this beautiful and powerful Hebrew word. It's the word hased, hased, and it—it it, it speaks of—it's not just love; it speaks of God's loyal, committed love for us. It's His covenant love that cannot be broken. Even when we don't behave the right way, I mean, it's just, it's, it's that strong. It can't be broken. It is a love that we know has been purchased for us on the cross of Christ. So Jesus paid the full price for this love relationship to be established. It does not depend upon us. The covenant is all on God's side. It doesn't depend upon us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That is found in Christ. So even when we don't feel his love, we can choose to praise God for the love that has been poured out on the cross. Well, secondly, David says, My heart rejoices in your salvation. He is speaking here of God's deliverance, which hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. And yet, because David knows God, He freely declares this salvation as a reality. It's something his heart can rejoice in, even if it hasn't happened yet. Now for us, on the other side of the cross of Christ, we can rejoice in this reality right now. We have been granted salvation. In Christ. Paul says in Colossians 1:13, for Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. See that the salvation, that salvation being described there, has already happened to us if we're in Christ. And so we, we have been rescued. We have been, our sins have been forgiven, which means we can rejoice. In the Lord. We can choose to rejoice in his salvation. Even when we feel abandoned by Him, we can choose to rejoice in the salvation He's given us. And then finally, we we read in the last verse: I will sing, I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. He has been good to me. David chooses to sing God's praise, to sing praise to God, not because of his present circumstances, not because he feels like it, but because God has been good to him. See, David is remembering what God has done in the past. See, that there is power in choosing to remember and be thankful for God's goodness in your life, what God has done, rather than focusing only on what he's not doing and, 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 and where he's not showing up. We can choose to focus on what he has done. We can choose to thank him for his goodness to us in the past. Choose. We can choose to praise And so one of the things, one of the things that is so impactful about regularly attending worship services like this, what's one of the things that's so impactful about this is the opportunity to declare God's praise in song with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We may not feel like praising God. We often don't feel like praising God. Our circumstances may not warrant us to you know, feel like praising God. But here's the deal. As we gather, like this, as we gather with God's people and we see them and we hear them choosing to praise God in the midst of their hardship, we also choose to sing. It moves us to sing. Praise. I, when, when I see a couple here who has recently lost a child and they're here in worship service praising God, when I see someone battling cancer and they're here praising God, when I see someone I know is experiencing depression and they are choosing to be here praising God, when I see those people it inspires me to praise Him. It inspires me to choose to remember God's goodness. And here's what is so cool about that decision. In making that choice to praise God, often our hearts get recalibrated. Our hearts get recalibrated. In fact, maybe this is actually part of the answer to David's prayer. See, sometimes God's answers to our prayers are not about changing our circumstances. They're about changing us, right? They're about changing us, changing our attitude towards this person rather than God fix them. Suddenly we're praying for them and our heart begins to change towards them, right? And in prayer, sometimes it's just shifting our perspective so that our heart aligns more with God's heart. And here's the deal. Praise has the power to do that. Praise has the power to recalibrate our heart. We need this. We need this. But again, it doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't. Praise is a choice we have to make, it's a choice we make, and it is not an easy choice. It's not an easy choice. So our staff, two weeks ago, we watched this TED Talk together. It was fascinating. It's called Getting Stuck in the Negative was the name of the TED Talk. And so the presenter talked about how our tendency as humans is to focus on the negative and we get stuck there. Um, And so for instance, if I receive an email Complimenting me about something, a message or whatever If I receive an email like that I may think about that for a few minutes Okay, oh that's kind of of cool I'll think about it for a few minutes But if I receive a negative email where, Where someone criticizes me for something I will think about that for days Maybe even weeks so this this TED talk presenter gave some specific, this actual scientific data for why we do that, for that reality, not necessarily why, but this tendency in, in humans. We get stuck in the negative. So they did this study where there were two groups of people. They put this group of people in two groups. And group one was told that a certain medical procedure had a 70% success rate. And the other group was told that a certain medical procedure had a 30% failure rate. Same data, right? Different perspective. So when each group was asked if they liked the procedure, the first group said yes, while the second group said no. So then they went back and they told the first group, hey, while, while you can think about, you know, while this, this procedure has a 70% success rate, you can also think about this procedure as having a 30% failure rate. And then they asked that group how they felt about the procedure now. And that group now was no longer in favor of it. Now, here's what's fascinating when they went to the second group, they went to the group that had already said they were against the procedure. When they, when that group was told, Hey, you could also think about this procedure as having a 70% success rate. Do you think that that group changed their minds? No, they didn't change their minds. They were still negative about the procedure. In other words, they got stuck in the negative perspective from the beginning and they couldn't get out of it even when they flipped the percentage they couldn't get out of that So the presenter explained that this is our tendency as humans. We tend to get stuck in negative thinking patterns. And so she shared, this presenter shared, about how when she comes home from work, she immediately starts talking about all the things that went wrong that day. All the bad things that happened that day, and the people that were jerks, and all that stuff. So her husband has begun to let her do that for about two minutes. And then he says, so tell me about the best things that happened today. What were the best things that happened to you today? And she admits when she starts talking about those things and focusing on those things, her heart feels more joyful. That's exactly what David is choosing to do here. He doesn't stay in the negative, even though that is a much easier place for us to stay as humans. He doesn't stay in this this, this place of voicing his complaint, right? He doesn't stay there. He voices it, but he eventually gets to the hard work of praise, right? He doesn't stay here. He eventually gets to the hard work of praise, choosing to praise, Now, that doesn't mean that all this is fixed. It's just a choice that he makes in the midst of what he's going through. So now I want you to notice something very important at the end of this psalm. It doesn't end with David's experience with God being completely transformed. It doesn't. And now he feels God's presence again, and everything is wonderful and joyful. No, it it doesn't end with this pretty little bow on it. David is still in this situation. He is still in this situation. He is still feeling what he feels. Abandoned, forgotten. He is feeling what he feels, but he is choosing to walk by faith in that. And that's the choice that all of us have as well. When when God feels absent in our lives, when he feels absent, It's a totally legitimate feeling. It's nothing wrong with saying that or thinking that when he feels absent, he longs for us to voice our complaint to him. He longs for us to keep asking him for help, keep praying, keep asking for help. And he longs for us to choose to praise him. To choose to praise him. So that's what we're going to do right now. As the third response in this psalm, we're going to choose to praise him. And let me remind us, worship team's going to come out here and get ready, but let me remind us of something here. Hang with me here. This is really important. In doing this, please hear me, in doing this, we are not glossing over your difficulties. We're not encouraging us to gloss over our problems We're not pretending all is well And we're just going to sing Even though my life's a mess I'm just going to kind of pretend that all is well No, 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 no We are choosing We are choosing To sing songs That may not feel real To us in this moment As an expression of our faith in God We are choosing to sing songs That may not feel real And that's okay because these songs are an expression of our faith in God, a trust that goes, ultimately goes deeper than our feelings or our circumstances. In other words, we are choosing to praise God. We are choosing to praise God. So let's, let's um, pray together. Father, thank you for your word to us in this song And how we've kind of walked through it in these moments of we've, we've voiced our complaint and we've prayed to you. And now we have this opportunity, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, we have the opportunity to choose to praise you. To choose to praise you. And so we want to do that. We want to do that as an expression of our faith in you. We choose to praise you. So why don't we, uh, church, why don't we stand? If at some point you want to sit down, that's totally cool. But let's begin standing as the worship team leads us in, in several minutes here, just choosing to praise, choosing to praise him.